I heard were um, talking about taking their churches um, as a group on that Wednesday. Yep. Uh, there's a. I think we are going to um, the. <clears throat> we're not going to have any Wednesday night adult service here. I'm not for sure about our youth. That I got to talk to Jason as soon as I get off the air today to see what he's going to do with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know the anybody from the main church. Um, we're going to kind of. I think most of us going to pile up together and just head over there that night. Anybody that wants to and be with Potter's Hope and Brother Wayne and um, Brother Lance and and it's going to be a great night. And so. We love being able to connect with other churches and connect with other churches that have the vision for souls and more souls and for the glory of God to fall. And so we're just excited. Um, we're very excited for that. <clears throat> and um, let's see, there was another announcement we had that I wanted to make sure we get in there before we. Oh, Man Up next Thursday night as well. So um, if you're if you want to go if you want to go to Man Up, then that's going to be next Thursday night. Um, that starts at 6.30 at Clarkson Community, and Brother Chad Stavier, I think Staver is the one that's going to be giving his testimony that evening. <coughs> so a lot coming up here in just a short period of time. And then, of course, I know this pertains a lot more to the home, um, to the Bethel Christian Academy crowd, but we do have our first um, basketball tournament coming up here uh, just in a couple of weeks, really. It's, uh, on, it's the weekend of November um, 9th, 10th. I mean, it's a ninth. I think it's November tenth and eleventh, and we'll be hosting the tip-off tournament here. And so that's a big tournament. Yeah, um, that's a really big tournament, actually. Big time of year. And so um, it's going to be a fun weekend. A lot of really great basketball and a, a lot of great Christ-exalting basketball will be going on here too. Mm-hmm. So a lot going on. Um, Chad Saver, Sarver, Sarver. All right. Sorry, sorry, Greg. Sorry, I didn't have it in front of me. Um, Joey Sosh gave us our man joke of the day. What do you call a pile up of cats? A meowton. Oh my god! <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, I had one. I had a dad joke too that I you saw did. on Facebook. All right. Um, what do you call, or what happens when you pick a pig's nose? I don't know. Like when you pick their nose, you get a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's a dad joke. <laughs> I saw that one on Facebook. I was like, I gotta say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's something one of my kids would tell. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, I miss. Am I missing any announcements after that? I don't think. Well, no, because you covered the the crusade, so I'll have to add a few of those newer ones to the app. I will do yeah. that today. Because um, I did have someone text me in and I and ask me the time that Man Up started, and I did text them back yesterday. But just in case anybody forgets what time Man Up starts, I'll get that on the app as well today. Hey man, Clarkson Community—they do do—they um, do a very good job hosting Man Up every time they've ever had it there. They do a good job uh, hosting. I just want to say that encouragement—they are very good hosts of yeah. any event. Yeah, they do it. Um, great VBS and. They do, uh, their food tables are nice. Now, um, I've already kind of committed to be, well, I'm going to go be with Lance, um, Lance and Potter's Hope the Wednesday and Thursday night. And then, of course, the Friday night will be, I'll be here working, decorating and getting everything ready for the chili cook-off. So I won't be able to go that Friday night. So That's probably exactly what I'm doing, but I didn't even know you were going Thursday too. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday. Few, a few ladies from the... Uh, prayer team that we're wanting to go to so yep on thursday <clears throat> so we're going to try to go wednesday and thursday and then um friday i'll be here working on that one so i hate to miss man up this time but i'm not gonna be able to just because um <clears throat> brother lance and them um just excited to see what god's gonna do and in, in mm-hmm. that crusade and that and that move and and so just really excited Who knows what god's gonna do you never know you never know the laborers are few so we gotta rise together amen all right well i guess we are um hold on i got i got um <coughs> excuse me oh my goodness <laughs> i got a um there's a inside d- joke with josh and katie um <laughs> And Katie's our new permanent co-host on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I put her. I should have put her and Jacob together on Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they just think of all week what they can stump me with. Um, but <clears throat> um, she sent me a message on. Well, he, he I think he did, or maybe she did. But 
No, it's him. It's in his truck. Uh, Christmas tree cake. Little Debbie look, Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> because really, when I was first getting to know them, they were like fighting over who's going to get the last Christmas tree. Deb, little Debbie in the lunchbox on a field trip. And that's when we started. <laughs> that's really when we first started to really meet and talking. And, it's so funny. He wanted the Christmas tree cake, and that's her Christmas tree cake. So back off of the Christmas tree cake, <laughs> and it was so funny. And it was, um, and so he said, "Look what I got!" And he shows me a little Debbie Christmas tree. And then uh, on the shareathon, uh, Miss Katie talked about a little Debbie park, yeah. and I looked it up, and it's a real deal. I think there's actually a few. Like yeah. I don't think there's just one because I was seeing some that I may possibly be multiple locations. So every uh, every little play area is a little Debbie. Yeah, is a little. I mean, it's in the shape of a little Debbie. <laughs> and so like, and it's not far from Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. So um, we talked about like getting a big old multi-family cabin one time and staying a couple nights and just being able to drive over to Little Debbie Park getting and play. Up to little Debbie. Oh my goodness! I will say in my household, the the one that is like Katie, very protective over the little Debbies, is not me. It's Ethan. Yep. If I touch his his strawberry Swiss rolls, he is not happy. Oh. Like he he counts them because he if he goes to the box and he sees <laughs> that one is gone, he literally counts them. I'm like, look, I don't even. They're not even my favorite, but like. I can't have So one. is that his favorite? Yes. His, his strawberry anything is his favorite, but he literally counts the little dip. The strawberry Swiss rolls. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have, we'll have to add those to the uh Wednesday night. The Wednesday night. Uh, uh the what's the word? Uh the Wednesday night menu. There we go. I guess so. Um and so that's that's funny. He counts them. I love that. Well, at, at our house if you get anything like little debbies, we don't buy them a lot cuz when you got as many I mean, a little box of little Debbie goes in like a blink of an eye. It don't even make it home a lot, and so we have to hide them. Like we hide them in our bedroom, away from everybody, so that we can distribute them appropriately, because they will get demolished at our house. Well, honestly, there's not even enough little Debbies in one box for your family. No, we have to get the big you gotta box. Get you gotta get the mega box when you buy little Debbies at our house. <laughs> It's not the little box. You get the mega box there. That's how you know how how big your family really is. It's that's right. When you have to buy the mega box of everything, um, you know, like that's why we actually don't buy a ton of cokes because you know. Oh no, that'll get rack up the the dollar signs. Yeah. And we and even Capri Suns are getting pretty high, mm -hmm. so um, that's what we usually send in the lunch boxes and stuff for school. But now our problem is little Ivy has discovered how much she loves Capri Suns. Oh no! So she will she will literally and like when I say we don't say it to like because they're not allowed to have anything we do keep all the drinks in our bedroom so like cokes and little capri suns now the kool-aid and sweet tea and all that stays in the fridge if we got it but if it's like capri suns or coca cokes or anything like that it stays in our bedroom well ivy's discovered where they're at so oh. ivy like ivy will like walk into our room grab her a capri sun and herself and pretty, she hasn't discovered fully how to get the straw into the Capri Sun, but she gives it her best shot. And and if she walks around enough, she gives everybody this sad face, like, "Will you open my Capri Sun?" And one of the kids eventually will. And then you'll just see her walking around the house with the Capri Sun oh and God. drinking it. And she drinks more of them than the kids, That's the other so kids funny. at this point. And so uh, I was about to say, like, for bigger families right now, with the way prices are. It pro you'll probably have to go back to the old school, making a lot of tea, making a lot of lemonade and like uh, Kool Aid. We make it's a, a lot, lot of, cheaper. We make a lot of lemonade and Kool Aid. Yeah, that's all. That's what we grew up on. Because I mean, anything that was like individually packed has always been more expensive. But it definitely used to not be as expensive as yeah. It is I mean, now. Um, and I went into when I went into one grocery store that I've never been in before, and I ain't gonna call her name. I I ain't trying to be that guy. But I went to one grocery store as a chain that I've never been in for, and Heather always wanted me to go in there, and I was like, I thought it was like only like health foods or something like that. And it, I realized they have a lot of stuff, but their their twelve packs of soda was like nine dollars and seven cents for a twelve pack, and I'm yeah. like, my goodness, I have to take a loan out for a twenty four pack, uh, yeah. and so I might as well just, I mean, at that point, like, when is it profitable to buy a twelve pack? And I don't know, it was just, I. Don't, it was way too much for me. I know. Because I remember when you could buy 24 for like five ninety eight. Yeah. Which I was, know. I, like, I pray about this. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to complain too much about the price. Because, you know, you can get to a point where you're complaining all the time about the prices of things. 
you don't we don't want to be like that I mean we are frustrated but um I'm like Lord are you trying to tell us something like are we should we be going on a diet or <laughs> or cutting back how much we're it we're probably taking? is it's probably is a message we're not receiving <laughs> I'm like maybe we're you know even though our bank accounts are hurting maybe you know from cutting back a little bit at least our health will get better <laughs> that's right <laughs> trying to look on the bright side here um so. because it is like if it, you've been frustrated <laughs> listeners I'm sure a, a lot of people have especially with a lot of a huge family, you know, maybe mm. your health is going to improve after this. Oh, um, well, we're just, we're, we're just <laughs> fighting through. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is like, it's when I say, I remember a time when Cokes were 24 for five ninety eight. That's not like saying when, you know, I was walking up both hills. I mean, mm-hmm. I was walking to school and back uphill both ways, my feet in the snow. <laughs> I'm not talking about the olden days. Like I'm talking about literally like, four years ago yeah, three years ago exactly and and i don't know I, I feel like there still should be something that's able to be done in grocery stores that they can't just like raise prices out of nowhere mm-hmm. like the that big box of hamburgers that you can get in the store mm-hmm. well those before labor day they were 15 dollars. for labor day they were 26 dollars for like a week and then after From labor, this year? yeah, this was this year, it popped up to like twenty five or twenty six dollars for the box, and then when Labor Day was over, it went back down to fifteen. Wow! I just don't feel like that's right. <clears throat> I don't feel like that's right whatsoever. I think that's an ethical problem, and at that point, it's just I don't know. I don't think they should be able to do that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't either. I I need <clears throat> to pay more of more attention. And then if you and then if you go and you pick some like I would say there's going to be some. It doesn't matter what small store you're at that's everywhere or big box store. Almost everywhere I go to the grocery at this point, you can look at your receipt and you can see at least four to five items that are higher on your receipt than they were when you picked them off the shelf. That the prices are not matching up. And I always thought that was illegal. Oh, that's true. And sometimes this ain't like five or six cents off. I've seen it as much as two or three dollars higher for one item, and you think, well, it's just two or three dollars. Get over it. But whenever but then there's when your receipt is as long as yeah, and like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you buy as much groceries as we buy, like I just don't know. Like I I don't that can easily that two dollars yeah. can turn into a hundred real quick. Yeah. yeah, and then you don't even want me to get me started on customer service and what's happened to the customer service since COVID. Yeah, I, that it's been. It's been awful. Really bad. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday on the phone from a customer service and they, they put me back and forth from like three different departments. And then the last person I said, talked to, they said, well, it looks like you just need to figure it out. I'm like, me, it's your company. You're supposed to know how to do this. Yeah. And they said, well, you just need to just, you know, just figure it out. I'm like, this is your job and you won't help me. And I'm finding that more and more Mm -hmm. like, Amazon, and I wasn't even being mean, like, at all. Like, I was just talking to Amazon one time over a situation because um, we we received, we were supposed to receive a package. We didn't receive it, and this was for the church. And they lost it, whoever, whoever was shipping it. The other part of the package came back, but that part didn't. And so we're still waiting on our refund. And I was telling them, I was like, you know, it's not my fault that you lost the package. It was your fault. You lost the package. I didn't. So I don't know how I'm getting punished for your all's mistake. She hung up on me. Like the customer service actually hung up on me for saying that. It's like, she's like, well, all right, bye. And I'm like, but I'm finding that more and more with companies and businesses, how they just really, they do not care about the customer no more. And I think COVID, I think that what a lot of people thought and a lot of companies thought during COVID was, well, we just started changing the game completely and everybody kept buying stuff. So why do we, why should we care about customer service? Why should we care about what hours were open? Why should we care about raising mm-hmm. prices, not raising prices? Everybody just bought and did everything during COVID anyways after all that. So let's just continue with that. And yeah. honestly, they have. And and I think... We need some, you know, new leadership in a lot of different... In a lot of different areas, but a lot yeah. of different businesses too, I think. Yeah. And um, corporations and things like that. Because you can truly see the greed of major corporations. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons that I will say that... I appreciate a lot of small businesses and um, I know they, they have to charge a little bit more because they can't buy the volume. And when you buy volume, you can sell stuff less, but yet the customer service tends to be a lot better in small businesses or even like franchise chains that are privately and locally owned. Mm -hmm. 
And I find that they care about their customers and you can see that. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about living in a small town in a small community. And, um, you know, whether we go to Hardensburg or Litchfield, a lot of your locally owned restaurants and a lot of the customer service a lot better than if you go to like a big, um, chain. Yeah. I think honestly, that's one huge reason that a lot of these small businesses are still going strong Yeah, is because of their kindness and their, um, their diligence to their customers yes and um because when you start a small business you never know in a small town like ours if it will stand because you see you see them go you've seen different ones go in and out a lot but but i'm proud of our there's actually a lot of young um young entrepreneurs yeah yeah up too and i pray there's more christian entrepreneurs one sunday i think you mentioned that like the Prayer, or maybe Lance, maybe you both mentioned it on different times, but about young entrepreneurs rising up, yeah. Christian entrepreneurs, and we we need that. Um, yeah, we do need that, and we um, that's that's a very very true statement. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, I mean, me and Ethan try to be entrepreneurs, <laughs> but nobody really wanted to hire us for the singing telegram. But I haven't given up on the dream. Uh, bro, we got to go back to the that uh, topic of supply and demand. That's what we got to figure out. Uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brother Wells has said, "Have y'all talked about a governor? The governor race? Haven't been able to listen for a while. We've discussed the bro- the governor race a little bit. <clears throat> the problem is there hasn't seemed to be much to discuss. That's my problem with this with the race right now. Um, it's just it seems like a very and I we talked to I put brother um, Jim Waters on the spot the other day and saying this and I've talked to actually some of our friends behind the scene as well and I just feel like there's no momentum around this governor race I mean we are literally within um, let me see here we are within two weeks um, well we ten days from the governor race from election day and literally. There, I sense very little excitement or very little stirring. And, um, I mean, just around the whole race in general. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't even know if I've seen one yard sign anywhere. Locally, I haven't. Um, but and again, I mean, I'm a homebody, so I don't get out much. And if I do get out, it's like Litchfield and straight back. Um, but I mean, still, it's just usually at this point, you see it. I know they, now I did not get to watch the debate Monday night. Um, I know it was on Monday night, but I, I was not able to watch it and I'm trying to get to go back and watch it, but <clears throat> I haven't, I didn't get to watch it Monday night when it was on KET. So I don't know how that went. If anybody watched it and they can give me an update, I'd be happy mm-hmm. to, to talk about it. But that's my greatest fear right now is there's just not a lot of excitement. And, yeah. um, we, <clears throat> uh, I know we've reached out to both sides to try to get somebody to come on here. And we couldn't really get anything done. But, um, I mean, I, I just feel like I, I'm really – my. Um, I, I just that's just my honest opinion, opinion about it. As just a Kentucky resident, I just feel like – I mean, honestly, at this point, if I didn't know Election Day was that day, there's so much anti-excitement about it, I wouldn't even know to vote. Like, if I didn't I, know – I think there's probably a lot of young people that don't. Yeah. And I think that's going to be – you know, that definitely – that, that would hurt. that would definitely um, make an influence on the election, and so. Bec- and then some of the videos, you know, I don't want to get too, I don't know how much I want to say on here, but I've just noticed on commercials that are that are being made for either side, some of them are a lot better quality than others. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, one side's one side does have a lot more money. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's always been a true statement. Um, but even though they're better quality, like I just hate the manipulation behind it. Because oh, yeah, sure. I see that it's targeted towards young. It is targeted towards young people, like trying to manipulate the way that young people yeah. think about yeah. the election. Well, in in the state of Kentucky, if uh, of course, as a radio station, we can't endorse a candidate. As a person, if you want to see me and talk to me, I'll definitely tell you who I'm voting for. And I think most people can probably figure out. But um, at the end of the day, too, though, if you're going to be um, a Republican candidate that's going to win back the govern, govern against Andy Bashir, 
you're going to have to get the young millennial and young generation Z. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to get their vote somehow because a lot of your, a lot of your older crowd are going to vote one way without a doubt because we're predominantly one side in, in the state of Kentucky. The vote you're going to have to go after is the younger vote, the 18 to the 25. And because you're going to need that vote, if you're a Republican that's going to overtake Andy Beshear, you're going to have to get that vote because you're going to have to counteract somehow from Jefferson County and Lafayette County with Lexington and stuff like that. So those are predominantly going to go the left. millennials, too. Yeah. Because. You have to. And right now, I'm telling you, I'm a millennial who I, I'm not as into the news as I used to be because I felt like I had to, to back off. But I like to say I'm pretty well informed of what's going on in our nation and I can hang. But as somebody who's invested in stuff like this, I'm so unexcited about the election coming up that I would probably forget to vote unless it was marked. Mm-hmm. And if, if somebody who's invested in it, then somebody who just really doesn't even think about it, they're not even going to vote. They're not going to yeah. go out. And this is the reason that, you know, even the primary last year, the turnout was astronomically awful. I mean, awful. And I... Unless something changes in the next 10 days, my fear is it's going to be just as bad for the actual election. And so, because what you're doing, what's going on right now is you you really have to show up in this election to get excitement because this election will have the propensity to be outshadowed by next year's presidency. Mm. And so everybody's going to be forward thinking to 2024 so if you have a governor race in 2023 and you're trying to win and you're trying to do it, you're going to have to fire up the base. I mean, you're going to have to really fire up the base because everybody's already forward thinking to 2024 with the presidency, the president election. And and so I just I mean, that's really my fear. I don't know anything about the debate from Monday night, though. So if anybody has any information on how that went, um, you know, that's. I would, I would love to hear an update, and if anybody has a link to where I could watch that sometimes today, um, I'd be more than glad to do it. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying all this to be critical or to say that, you know, shame on anybody. I'm just saying that we have 10 days left, and it's going to be very hard at that point to fire up a base and encourage them and stimulate them to go vote at this late in the game. And, um, and I'm, I don't know. I mean <clears> – <throat> I understand that a lot like yard signs may be becoming a thing of the past because you got YouTube and Facebook and all those ads running everywhere and that's how you reach. But the younger generation is not being reached because a lot of them don't even know. And a lot of them are not even thinking about this whatsoever. And so you're going to have to get that the, the Generation Z and the millennial, <clears throat> the vote there if you're ever going to. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, um, Governor Bashir is going to be really hard to beat. He really is. Um, his his approval rating is very high across the state, and um, and so we, we you really got to fire up the base. You've got to fire up the base. And in my humble opinion, and I'm just a little country boy who they give a mic to every day. Um, I just don't feel myself. I definitely don't feel no fired up. And and I I have talked to a lot of people, and I ain't gonna say names. I'm just I'm talking to people, not just. I'm not talking to other country boys like me. I'm talking about people who is in official positions mm-hmm. who honestly feel the same way, that they're, they're, they're expressing the same concerns as I am. Yeah, because, I mean, even a few of the senators and you know representatives we've had on here have mentioned the same thing. So um, it's, we got 10 days, and we're going to see how it unravels. As it gets closer to time, we'll try to keep updates Mm-hmm. coming and um there's not much new to report right now in israel i know there was some rockets intercepted um yesterday by a u.s warcraft that was sent um up from Ara- iranian territory so that's a pretty big deal because it looks like iran is, is actually um, possibly maybe getting physically involved and then um hezbollah there was several hezbollah terrorists that was killed yesterday or this morning in an airstrike from israel idf as well um, so there's still escalation happening and it looks like america may be getting more and more involved and i if i'm not mistaken now yesterday this is yesterday morning so i'm trying to make sure i i'm right about this i do believe there was some airstrike or rockets that may have been shot towards an American air um, aircraft carrier 
Maybe. Don't hold me to that. But I think there was some there because I think America shot those down as well. And so it looks like we may be getting more physically involved Mm -hmm. sooner than later, which we all postulated will happen eventually anyways, especially as more other nations get involved. And if you get, if you're having Palestine, Iran, and Hezbollah all getting involved, Mm -hmm. that's a surrounding at that point. And we're going to, they're fighting a war on the east, the west, and the north at that point. So, um, just trying to keep everybody updated on all that. But we need to pray for, um, the people in our country that are making, you know, light about what's going on and supporting Hamas and supporting um, what, you know, the Palestinians are doing, mm-hmm. the, the violence. Not, I'm not talking about the innocents because we need to pray for the innocents, but I just, I've seen some things on social media from not, like, I don't just look at all kinds of people on social media, but actually someone that I know personally um, that, you know, I know that they're liberal. I already knew that they were liberal, but um, something that they shared was just very concerning, um, making a joke about um, Israel just giving their land over, just some things like that. So um, I think there really is, the enemy is trying to, um, I do believe, get as many people, even people in America, Christian, even um, not Christians, but people who say they're Christians but really aren't walking it out um, to develop hatred for Israel. And even if they don't say they have hatred, just a, just not a care in the world for what the Bible says um, about them. And um, it just kind of grieved my spirit to see that. So, Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of protests happening in America itself right now. And um, there was one of the hostages that made it home yesterday. Um, she talked about, and she had a message for those those protesters. protesters. And so, um, and then of course, um, I looked that up. Um, you know, Biden had his speech from the Oval Office last night. President Biden did, and in that speech, you know, he never mentioned this, but I think that I think it was America troops have been attacked seven times in the last forty eight hours in Iraq and Syria which means that the escalation of terrorist groups are happening around because it's they're probably all more interconnected and they're feeding off each other the more we, than we'd ever imagined. So at, at some point, you're not just fighting Hamas. You're going to be fighting ISIS. You'll be fighting the um, Hezbollah and, and, and that group. You're going to be fighting several different groups, and that's America's getting pulled in. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. We've been talking about this as more nations get involved. And I think you're going to see some bigger players start really getting involved sooner than later as well. Because President Biden also, I know he discussed some things in Ukraine, and he's comparing the war in Israel and Ukraine with each other. I don't, I don't, I'm not doing that. I think they're completely different wars. Um, I'm not comparing Ukraine and Israel. I'm, I'm refusing to do that. I think it's a different, I think they're total different situations. Um, <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> but it's definitely um, something we need to be praying into. All right, we're going to do Friday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who said she would arise as a mother in Israel? Who said she would arise in a mother in Israel? We're going to come back, get into Hebrews, and we'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Well, good morning. We're back in here. After that break, we do have an answer for our trivia question. We're going to get into the book of Hebrews a little bit. Um, Izzy Taylor, she got that answer right. So congratulations, little Izzy. She got that correct. Good job, Izzy. Who said she would arise as a mother in Israel? Deborah. Judges 5-7. So congratulations to Izzy for getting her name for that drawing. We're going to try to get that drawing done before me and Hannah head off to teach chapel this morning before Brother Bjork gets home on here. And so that means this next break, we'll have one more trivia question. And then after that break, we'll get uh, our wheel of names, the wheel names turning, and we will be able to draw for the winner uh, for the, I think we're doing a CD and a book. Is that correct, Hannah? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. We got a CD of... um, Less, less and downs music. Less and downs music. 
And so she's going to, it's her new CD. She also has some stickers that she brought and some bracelets if it, if we want to include that. Too. Okay, we'll, we'll include it. We'll include it. So you're going to get a CD, <laughs> a bracelet, a sticker, and a book. And we got it for you guys. So excited for that. And we'll draw for that here in just a few minutes. All righty. We are pushing forward. We're in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 2. Um, and then I think we are... On verse 11, um, for both, no, we did verse 11, but we're going to read it again to give us the context going into 12. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Um, In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. So he's up here. If you go back up here, he's saying, he who sanctifies and them are being sanctified are all one. Why? Because he brought us into one. Mm-hmm. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. And in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm really sh- struggling with this coffin thing today. I'm trying not to in your all's ear. I apologize. Um but if we go back to here, uh, I'm heading over to the ESV study notes because I want to look something up here on this verse. <clears throat> I'm reading King James this morning. You're reading the King James? I'm reading, well, I'm reading the New King James, but I wanted to read this one note because um, I wanted to find this. Psalm 22 is where he's actually referencing from, and the app that I'm using to read my oh, okay. New King James don't have the reference. So I wanted to make sure that my my actual app was... <clears throat> was right so if you go back to there he's he's looting all these things together um but saying i will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation i will sing your praise and again i will put my trust in him and so here we are saying you know it it is talking about how we're unashamed Mm -hmm. we're unashamed we're going to sing of his praise we're going to put our trust in him and behold i and the children of God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver Amen. all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That is I, such good news. I love it. I, I mean, I do. I agree. It's like that should fire us up. <laughs> we forget like how awesome that is. And and so since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. What's he partook of? Flesh and the blood. He became flesh. He became um, God in the flesh. He became man, and he destroyed the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Um, and so I just I think that is Hannah's right. That's good news. Like <laughs> I mean, we should celebrate on verses like this. And I I mean honestly, this is a verse that we really don't talk about much, but it's a really good verse. Like, yeah. I mean, and it proves that we don't have to live in fear of the devil. Mm-hmm. We well, we we don't need to because if so, then we're just you know not living by this word. Yeah, and I do love fifteen and delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What's the King James read it as in fifteen? Um, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Is it the same? That's close. That's really close. Um, and so I just I love that principle and what he's saying there because there are people that I definitely know, and I think we all participate in that. Like a lot of anxiety is driven around death because <laughs> death is an unknown thing, and so we really don't know what's going to happen after death. We uh, and and so in that I think that's a scripture to release to say that. As he has died and destroyed the works of the enemy, it's given me peace to know that who I am in him. And I don't have to live my whole life in fear of death and in slavery to that fear of death. I can live life and live life more abundantly. Yeah. Um, now, that does not mean that we, like... Go jump off a building. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not what that means. But Christ did not die to... Con- I mean, he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world and to give us life and life more abundantly mm-hmm. to give us peace to give us joy um the kingdom of god is the peace joy and righteousness in the holy ghost like yeah. um we're not to walk around fearing death and this verse in hebrews is really good like there's actually <clears throat> i was listening to someone talking on this it was like a short i'll have to find it because 
it was talking about the op- what you just said. Like, we can't use verses like this to say we can do whatever we want and be ignorant. Yeah. And there was actually a verse talking about not being ignorant and mm-hmm. just doing things that are dangerous and or things that are sinful and just saying, oh, well, we don't have fear of death. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's actually a verse that speaks directly to that. Yeah. I'll have to find it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not fearing death, but I'm actually trying, I'm not trying to hurt it up either. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and so I'm not looking to go, um, I love flying on an airplane. Like I don't mind flying a bit. I ain't jumping out of one though. Like, you. Yeah. well, even Paul, like, even if we're not doing stuff like that, like it will prove where we are with the Lord and how much of his heart that we have when we start to be like Paul in the sense where he wanted to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. He said he would he would love to be with the Lord, but he has he is conflicted and because he wants to preach the gospel to as many people as he yeah. can while he's still here because he wants as many people to go with him as possible. Yeah. And that's pure love for people because if we didn't have pure love for people, we could just be like, "Lord, kill me now. Like yeah. just take me out." Yeah. But it's it's because of the gospel while you know, our yeah. life isn't just, you know, we can't just throw it out, like waste the time that God's given us by, yeah. you know. Like in my younger days, I did the slingshot thing. I did that too. Whew, I don't know if I do the slingshot again, though. I, some of the videos are funny. Wait, you talking about the slingshot that like brings you up in the air? And yeah. shoots you out yeah. or drops you even? I did the drop one. I didn't do the slingshot. Actually, I did the drop. I, when I, the person I was with, I won't say their name, but they actually like got very injured from that like not in in the moment but like there was like some brain things that ended up being wrong with them after that like a few months later yeah I'm, like i think I'm not surprised they they it wasn't a concussion but it was something like a concussion and they didn't catch it until like a few weeks later or something but it ended up being really bad but i was like i was on there with them and nothing happened to me <laughs> yeah but um, if you want to watch a video of pastor josh milburn on slingshot you can you can find that online uh on his on his Facebook page, it's it's a really good video, um, but you know it's still like I I do think about some things like whenever I do it, like not because of fear of death, like is this tempting the Lord? Like how when does that when does it become like thrill and adrenaline adrenaline or just tempting and you know? And so I think we have to be wise, but I also don't think we live in fear of death. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think this is what this verse is really telling us is that you know, he destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered us all who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so... And this can even go, like, this can even speak to those in persecution. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if if you're a Christian and you are taken hostage by Hamas or some group or whatever, they might be able to take a lot from you that are that are temporal things but they cannot take your life from you they are taking your physical life from you but they cannot take what the lord has paid for Mm -hmm. and that's what's amazing because even though they think that they've won by doing these things because they're deceived they've not won because the enemy can't take that away yeah jesus already conquered death for surely it is not angels that he helps but he helps the offspring of abraham Therefore, he had to be like, made, I mean, be made like his brothers in every respect. So um, here he's saying it's not the angels he's coming to save. It's not the angels he's coming to help. He's coming to help the offspring of Abraham, us. Mm-hmm. He's coming for us, the offspring of Abraham, first Israel. Then he, then he opens it up to all Gentiles. We understand that to the Gentiles as well. But therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So for to save us, he had to become like us. He had to become God in the flesh, and he wasn't becoming angelic because he wasn't here to save the angels. He was here to save the offspring of Abraham, Mm -hmm. and that's who he's helping, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So here he's saying so that he might become. So he has Mm -hmm. become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Why? To make propitiation. So he is not just the sacrifice, he's also the high priest. And he's, mm-hmm. he's allowing himself to be sacrificed, and he's putting himself on the altar because when his blood atones for our sin, and he takes his blood and he put it on the mercy seat of heaven, and I believe at that point when he atones for our sin, he become what we call propitiation of our sins. 
That word is a word that means he has satisfied the wrath. The payment for our sin has already been paid. The payment for our um, reconciliation, our ransom to be our redeemer, all that's necessary to be incorporated in all that has already been paid. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful picture. King James says reconciliation, but I like that word propitiation. Yeah. <clears throat> well, propitiation is the payment that was due for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And so um, you don't have reconciliation absent of propitiation because propitiation is the satisfying of the wrath. And yeah. if the wrath and the payment is never paid, then you can have no reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So propitiation is really the reconciliation of the believer back to the Father. Yeah. And people's going, oh, okay. Um, I'm going, well, saying all that. But I think they're they're intertwined because you can't have one independent of each other. Um, and propitiation is a pretty common word found within the New Testament. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What's the King James read there? Succor them that are tempted. Yep. And so as we are, as because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He is able to sympathize with everything that we're going through. It, he, he, we're not saying, Lord, help us. And he says, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know what you're going through. Like he knows yeah. what we're going through. And everything that we're being tempted with, he has been tempted with. And he showed us what it is to be a person filled with the Holy Ghost. And to overcome. That can overcome the temptation. Yeah. And so there's no temptation that we're not able to overcome by the grace of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So that right there tells us, I mean, we're going to be tempted. Like if Jesus was tempted, we're going to be tempted. We don't need to feel shame for being tempted. No. We need to realize that it's Jesus who helps us to not act on that temptation. Yeah, the temptation is not the... um, is not the sin. It's whenever we agree to it and yeah. we walk into. Because I think a lot of times the enemy will put, you know, okay, it's not always the enemy. Some things are fleshly, and we do have to use discernment with that. But I do believe the enemy will try to put thoughts in our head and make us think that it's our own thoughts. But if we're a believer in our desires or the Lord's desires, we should know if a, we should be able to have that discernment that if it's not lining up with the word and God's desires, then that's not our desire. Yeah. A lot of times that's the enemy trying to put it in our head to make it think, make us think that we want to do that or that we think that. Mm-hmm. But we really have to take every thought captive because um, I've dealt with that before where I, f- I started to come into agreement with that, with shame and guilt, because I thought that the thoughts I had were my own. So I was like, oh, my gosh, why am I thinking this? Yeah. So I came into agreement with it and I thought it was mine. And the Lord had to teach me that. And, yeah, and it, it takes discernment. You have to cast it down out of your brain. Now, yeah. if you sit there and meditate on that thought, it will become yours. Yes, yes. And so that's where I think we've done an injustice, like telling young men and, and them, you know, it's the first look if you lust after a woman, that's okay, because that's just, that's natural. Well, no, mm-hmm. no, it, it's not. It down. You're dwelling on it. So even with the first look in that lust, you're dwelling, it's become your thought. Now, if you're just walking in the street and the thought pops in your head, you cast it out. That's not dwelling. That's not becoming yours. And it, I don't even think it takes a second look. It just takes the first look. It's what's in your heart, and it's mm-hmm. what's dwelling in your brain. And that's for me. I, and, yes, that's female and men alike. Like, mm-hmm. both sides are like that. And so we have to get to the point to where the temptation does not become ours. Mm-hmm. That when it does hit, whatever it is. And that's not just in lust. Maybe it's saying the person who cuts you off in traffic. Yeah. The thought that. Because we've got to quit, we've got to quit thinking we can think things and not say it, and it's not sin. Yeah, because I mean, think about Eve. Like the serpent spoke. Like sh- that thought didn't just like this. We see that that thought wasn't coming from her at that moment. Yeah. But she acted on it. Yeah. Yeah. She came into agreement with it. Well, I mean, Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul." Yeah. And so, if we're supposed to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Well, I got to get my mind right too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I don't have permission to say words in my head towards somebody. No. And as long as they don't come out of my mouth, it's not sin. It's still sin. If you're meditating on that thought about somebody or towards somebody and it never leaves your mouth, that does not make it permissible. That makes it still sin because there's something internally in you that's still wrong. I live this. So like, um, this is why I want to take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is why a lot of people live in 
depression and anxiety and all this is because they've never been taught this. They think they can dwell on something in their brain as long as they don't come out of their mouth, their mouth and that's okay. So Jesus come back and dealt with this because Jesus said under the law, you have to touch a man. I mean, you have to actually kill a man to commit murder. But he said, I tell you, if you are angry in your heart, mm-hmm. what's he doing? He's saying there's something under the new covenant that was incapacitated by the old covenant that he's given you a new heart, new spirit, and a new creature. So now he's given you the ability not just to look right. He's given you the ability to be right, which yeah. the law was never able to do. Because people thought that their tongue wasn't just as dangerous as a sword. Mm-hmm. But the word tells us differently. It says there's power of life and death in the tongue. That yeah. There's blessings and cursings. But where does the mouth come? Where, where does the mouth speak? What you think first. From the abundance of the heart. Yeah. And so whatever's inside of you is coming out of exactly. your mouth. It's going to come out of your mouth eventually. But really, and that's the problem. The sin starts in the heart yeah. and in the mind, and it will manifest in the mouth. But when it manifests in the mouth, it does not mean it's just for its first sin. The sin originated prior to the mouth. In the mind. Yeah. And, and so we've got to deal with things in the mind, and that's the why root. Corinthians tells us to cast down every thought, take it every captive, make every thought submitted, or um, what's, how is the King James? It's submit every thought, but. Uh, bring into captivity every thought, mm-hmm. every thought, and every imagination. Yeah, it's all got to come into captivity to Christ Jesus. Amen. And so the Lord was speaking to me. Oh, we're almost out of time here. You're fine. You can. Um, about breeding, like I heard the word like breeding ground, mm-hmm. and so I've been like praying about that and trying to like you know think about that, and I really do feel like He was speaking to me about m- our mind being a breeding ground. Because whatever is sown in there or whatever's in there is going to eventually reproduce something. It's going to reproduce mm-hmm. godly things out of our mouth, out of our life, or it's going to reproduce evil things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get our first, tri- our second trivia. Remember, this is the last break to be able to answer before we do the spinning wheel of names to see who wins. But Friday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. How long had Lazarus been in the tomb when Jesus came? How long had Lazarus been in the tomb when Jesus came? We will be right back here after the break on Morning to Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, we are back here on Mornings with Box 2 Radio. We just got a few more minutes with you all this morning before Brother Jason and Brother Bjork come in here. Um, we're going to draw for our prize for the this two-week period. Um, I've got a few books that we are giving, getting rid of that we have accumulated from guests and other ones. Um, one is called, let's see, Life Change, a Bible study series on Genesis. Um, then we have A Glimpse of the Kingdom by Ron Mosby and A Day of Salvation, The Bible's Answer to the Calvinist Armenian Debate by John Larson. And then Hannah's also got a CD that's going to go with that. Um, and that is... Lesson Downs Music. Uh, yes, yes, Lesson Downs Music. And then music. there's a sticker with her logo on it from the album and a bracelet too. So we got a pretty good little package right here. And we're going to get ready to draw. I have all the names in the spinning wheel. And we did not get that last answer done, so but we can't we don't have time to wait. So I said we had the next break and that's it. So here we go. Hannah's my witness. I'm clicking the wheel and you can hear it spinning. Let's see who wins this. Oh, Miss oh, Gail Harrington Gale. won it. Congratulations. Jacob, Jacob almost got yeah, it. Yeah, but... I thought Jacob was gonna get it. And so <laughs> Um, uh, congratulations, Miss Gail. We'll have this set aside for you. I'm and glad give it that Miss Gail got this because I think she will really enjoy the CD as well. Yeah. Um, Jacob, that's a, her saying she didn't want you to win. So sorry. <laughs> uh, no, Jacob would like it too. Yeah. Hey, Jacob, he's a good singer. We heard him sing last night. Yeah, Jacob can sing well. I taught him everything he knows. Um, <laughs> one time me and Jacob was singing together after church, just, just goofing around. Well, and everybody knows I can't sing. So, um, but we were singing, and somebody came up to Jason and said, I mean, Jacob, and said, you sing like Jason Crabb. And they didn't say nothing to me. <laughs> they didn't say nothing. I said, well, who do I sound like? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. A sick Jason Crabb. I don't know. <laughs> A Jason Crabb that's lost his voice. Uh, and so um, that didn't go over. I mean, 
I was like, man, I mean, he said it right to Jacob, right in front of me, and never said a word to me. Um, it's okay. Whenever I was younger, uh, Savannah, you know, she always had the really blonde hair, like very bright blonde hair, even as a kid. Um, and she's just always been the cutest little thing. And they would always say she looked like this famous person. And um, they'd be like, Hannah, we don't know who you look like. <laughs> and I'd be like, I know who I look like. And I don't know why, but I always thought I I just loved Oprah for some reason. I didn't know anything about her other than I just thought I saw her on TV and I just loved Oprah. I don't know why. Um, and so I said, my lookalike is Oprah. <laughs> and they're like, honey, have you not seen your, yourself? Like, you, you can't look like Oprah. Your skin's not the same. But that was my response. Is that I look like Oprah. Well, you can look like Oprah if you want to. Um, I just need the the afro she used to have. Miss <laughs> Gail Harrington said, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." And so she won. Hallelujah! The trivia. So we'll start another two week period it's coming up here, just short next week, and um, we'll try to have the gift ready to go, um, to, so everybody knows what they're they're getting in the trivia for. Um, you know, if you ever do like a gift card or we've done $25 Lowe's or Home Depot gift card. Those are, those are, uh, people get aggressive about those. Um, and then storehouse one house. Yeah. I was really sad that I couldn't answer any of the questions. Hannah was trying to, uh, take a day off to get to answer the question. Gail was trying to win it for me. She was, so she she could gift it to me. She was, she was. Um, (laughs) and so sweet. All righty. Well, we are pushing forward here. Um, again, just a few more minutes. We talked in Hebrews. Those are really good scriptures we read in Hebrews today. And we finally fi- finished um, Hebrews chapter 2. And so we'll be moving into Genesis, Gen- Genesis um, Hebrews chapter 3 next week. Uh, Jesus greater than Moses. And so we're going to be pushing forward again. October October 28th, um, Rough River Youth Ranch Chili Cookoff. It's not tomorrow, but it's next Saturday. Make plans to attend to that. And enter your chili. Like, don't just come and eat. Enter your chili. See if you got what it takes to win. And make sure you bring, um, make sure you bring your wallet so we can dunk Justin Hatfield as many times as we possibly can. Um, he don't have to be dunked just once. We can dunk him over and over and over. So didn't you all say that you also need some chili that's just to bring to? Yeah, like yeah. some that's not. If you entered. don't, if you don't want to enter your chili, you don't have to. Just you can just. I mean, if you're gonna eat at five. Bring your chili at 4.45, you know, if you want just to bring chili. And um, we, we welcome all chili. You don't have to. Your chili does not have to be in the contest for you to bring it. Because mm-hmm. I understand some people don't want to be in the contest. Because, so. like, how do, with the chili that's in the contest, it seems like you'd have to kind of ration it out a little bit so that as many people that wants to try it to help the contest. Well, Is that how it works? We actually have three judges. And oh, they're, okay. they're non partisan non-biased oh, judges okay so it's not like everybody yeah. who shows up the judging will be done by four okay uh, okay that and so sense. and That's actually more it's more organized it's three people that don't go to church here most of the time now every once in a while we somebody may not be show up and we'll have to insert the most non-biased but the judges don't know who's chili's who's either yeah yeah so um because they're usually not here when people bring their chili mm-hmm. in and so and they do like different levels like yeah. a spicy winner a medium yes. and a mild or something yep there's a spicy a medium uh there's a spicy a hot and a mild and um then there's an overall winner mm-hmm. so there's one to be one of those three winners wins twice because they'll be the winner overall and it costs nothing to get your chili in so if you think you got the best chili come prove it see if you can prove it and um see, I, think, I don't know I, i've never made it before so i'm like do I want to enter? Do I just want to bring it? Oh, be brave. Nobody will know if you, nobody knows true. who's here. So That's you could, true. who knows? You may just make an excellent chili and you don't even know it. Um, Heather won, Heather won mild last year, I think. And I think it was Greta who won overall. Miss Greta, I think she won overall. And I think Shares was hot. I'm trying to remember. Um, and then we have all the chili cook-off winners on a plaque on the wall. So the, the winners themselves, they win a a gift mm-hmm. now it's free to enter it's just a gift and it's nothing like you know you're not winning a thousand dollars or nothing like that it's just a gift um it's a good gift but it's just a gift and for the winners and um and so we're it's just a fun night again for that and fun competition but the three judges are non 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 
partisan, non-biased, anything like that. And a lot of time they don't even go to church anywhere around Bethel. Um, they just come and judge the chili cook for us. So that starts at 3.30 if you want to get your chili in. And then, of course, don't forget that Liberation Church has their chili cook-off this Saturday night. This Saturday night, they're actually doing theirs. I don't think there's an auction with theirs, though. I think it's just you know a mm-hmm. fellowship, fun, games, which is going to be a great night for them. Um, and then they're coming together. How is together. the auction? Do you all still need items? I mean, I'm sure you, you always accept yeah, items. Yeah, we all definitely always accept items. Um, we're doing well. Like, There's a lot of really generous, generous business off, partners that have helped. and That's awesome. uh, And we'll be naming some of those over the next few couple of weeks just give an honor and appreciating them because they've really the again mm-hmm, again um you know just thankful for them yeah. and we're not telling you to go visit we're not able to do that on a radio station but we can give honor and thanks for them mm-hmm. and we really do honor and thank them for um their generosity just like we was talking earlier about you know small businesses having great customer service and stuff like that and, yeah and how um I, I do i think it's so um awesome to see how so many small businesses support things like Grifferview Youth Ranch. Mm-hmm. And so we really honor them and appreciate them. And maybe you have a business and you want to get, um, you know, you want to support what God's doing back there. Um, there's a lot of different avenues and you can call the station here and we definitely will get you the avenues of maybe you want to be a table sponsor, which means that, you know, it's it don't mean you can bring as many people to that table, but it means that, you know, you, you're sponsoring that table and anybody that sits at the table or anybody there will see that your sponsorship over the table and that you are, you are showing your support for the ministry of Riff River Youth Ranch. And so, Amen. and we honor you for that tremendously. Um, but again, all that starts then. And the, um, then the the crusade next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, one listener said, I thought you was going to say non-binary. Nope, nope, we're not non-binary. We have a gender. And we know, <laughs> we know our gender. Uh, we're not confused. <laughs> we are not confused. Hallelujah. I did uh, find that it was the 17th annual the 17th annual is what heather has on yep. the graphic so <clears throat> you know i asked um i asked brother rick brother rick daughtery who's been coming on to church here for a little while now and and i asked him wednesday night how long he's been preaching and he started preaching the year i started to live uh, <laughs> the year i started to breathe he started to preach um and so that's that's really crazy to think about like what, I, I mean, what year did you start oh my goodness um it would have been, it would have been, I think I preached my first sermon of August in 2005. So I was five years old. Yeah, August 2005. I can't remember if it was, I think it may have been August 28th. But I listened to that first sermon a couple of years ago on cassette tape, and I didn't make it through. Oh, it was awful. I mean, it was, it was atrocious. Um, and I remember when I was getting ready for it. Oh my goodness. I was like, I had so much notes and I was, I was geared <laughs> up and I think, I was like, I'm going to preach an hour. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Were you five still, minutes into it? Were you still in high school or were you? I had just graduated high school. Gotcha. I mean, I literally just graduated high school a couple months before. And, um, I preached that first sermon and I preached a couple other times after that pretty soon. And then. Um, there was some things unravel at the church that I was at. So mm-hmm. I became much like it, that first year was really hard. And then I went to college next August and then I came back and that's when I really started preaching mm-hmm. and, um, and leading. And so, <clears throat> so did you in college take like preaching classes, Mm-mm. like where you would get dressed up and then oh, no. go and give no. a sermon to the chapel or something? No, not at all. I mean, our, 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 the chapel at the college I went to was um, about, you know, um, a couple thousand people there. And so it was very, um, they had, they brought in all these high and popular mm-hmm. people, uh, mountain houses. I don't know what they're called. Uh, the important people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I did do uh, a foundations of ministry class and that was atrocious. It was awful. It was probably the worst class in college. <laughs> Uh, I did a pastoral ministry class, mm-hmm. and that one was that one was was better. But the thing I don't remember anything taught in that class, but I do remember friendships that was birthed in that class. So that was probably the most profitable thing. And I remember you never preached a sermon, which was weird. Like you know, you would think maybe at least get you up there. Mm-hmm. We did do a presentation about our testimony, but it's like you know, a lot of the people in the class had already been preaching. Yeah. So giving a testimony was really easy, mm-hmm. but. 
I do remember hearing one one girl's testimony in that class. Nobody knew she had cancer on campus. Wow. And she gave that testimony and she had us all rocked. Man. I mean, we were we were crying That's in powerful. there. And I mean, honestly, if you knew her and everybody did know her, I mean, she was one of those like very extroverted, extroverted, joyful people. Everybody loved being like she was just somebody made everybody laugh. Yeah. But then when she unraveled her testimony before the class and we understood, we learned what she's going through and what nobody knew, like nobody knew. And some of even her closest friends didn't know it. And so that was really that was like but those are the two classes Then we took. New Testament, No Testament survey, and you know I don't I don't know how a Christian university has atheists teaching the Bible, but I don't you know they can't say no because they took federal funding. Yeah. So you can't say no to an atheist who wants to teach the Bible because that'd be discrimination because now you took federal funding. Mm-hmm. So we would have atheists and people. Now my Old Testament professor, he was awesome, and I learned some stuff from him. Um. But really what I learned to him, um, he was a great preacher, and he preached a lot, but um, he he was very historical, and that's mm-hmm. what I got out of that. Like, he probably taught me more historically than anything else. But My Old Testament and New Testament professor, his name is Ray Hollenbach. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Mm-mm. but he is one of the—he's just an awesome guy. But whenever I first heard him teach— I could not think of him differently because I immediately thought his voice sounds just like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> like the person who voices Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. You know, like, can you think of that voice? Like I his voice. Try not to think of that voice. Just like, it, it's like a deep, like, it, I, I'll have to show you. Like, it, it is a, like, good voice, the person who, like, voices that. Yeah. But it's pretty, like, a lower kind of voice, but just, like, very soft. I don't know. But once I heard it, I was like, oh, my gosh, has anyone ever told you that? And he's like, actually, yes, people have told me yeah. that before. Yep. I am not, like, anti-seminary at heart. I do think this is my fear about seminary. And this is where I felt myself per- gravitating towards is that – we were learning principles of the Bible, but not the application of the word. Mm-hmm. And and so you come out of those arenas with knowledge, mm-hmm. but I'm not for sure you always come out with wisdom and preparation. And for me, seminary, if you're going to go, should be about preparing you. Mm-hmm. But no matter you know what seminary you're in, I don't feel like anybody's really ever prepared coming out. Yeah. Like, it's like, all right, now you got the knowledge. Now go get life experience, learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't I be learning that? Like, like when Paul was released on his missionary journeys, he wasn't learning how to do ministry at that point. He already knew. Yeah. And so I'm not anti-preparation because actually I've said this very vocally. I think I was preaching and leading way before I was ready. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, you know, I think you can do the the gifting of what God's called you to do without an office and a title always. Yeah. And so if you're called to pastor, well, you can pastor people. Like, you don't need to be their pastor to love on them and to nurt and to grow and to disciple and challenge and have Bible studies in your home. Like, you don't, you don't have to lead a church to do that. Like, you can do that already. But I think, I think a lot of times we go into ministry very much unprepared, unequipped, and we get run over. And then we call, okay, now you're ready because you got ran over. And I, I just feel like we do an injustice. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we can prepare people better. And if you're going to pay all those, a lot of money, I mean, we're talking sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to a seminary to get prepared for ministry. And you leave the seminary and you're still not prepared. Um, you know, it's That's a shame. It yeah. is. I honestly feel the like the flip side. Like, I feel like I was more prepared in some of my, like, undergrad classes than people are, like, with that practical things like Mm -hmm. I feel like they did teach us at Campbellsville more ways of application in our classes that were like the beginning court like you know intro to New Testament intro to to Old Testament and I felt like you know I was blessed to have really good theology professors for that I may have had one that well I had one that was very liberal and I only had like one class but the rest of them that I took multiple classes I was very blessed but I've heard you know a lot of people that come out of theology degrees from universities they go on to seminary mm-hmm. and from a lot of them um that I've heard from and even the professors that went to the seminary they kind of tell you like you know it is a lot of knowledge and it's not a lot of practical 
Yeah. I feel like the professors that kind of got out of that and realized that they came back and they tried to be better. Like they tried to actually give practical because yeah. they didn't receive it. Yeah. Because what burns out pastors and why a lot of pastors quit is not their lacking knowledge to answer Bible questions. It's that they're not prepared to deal with everyday mm-hmm. practicality. And yeah. so nobody's preparing you emotionally. Nobody's preparing you mentally. Nobody's preparing you in your your spiritual ability to counsel and to lead. Um, nobody's preparing you for what it's like whenever you are deceived or backstabbed or lied about. Or mm-hmm. And like if you're going to really do seminary right, you probably need to have a class about how to deal with hurt and how to deal with all like how do how's like and hear from other pastors who's walked through this and what they did because these are things that really happen and 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 I don't care how perfect your church is this stuff's going to happen yeah and I think this is even true for teachers I know a lot of people are like well you have to be stern as a teacher for you to get anything through to the kids but I heard I've heard from a lot of teachers about like especially with kids but I think it's true for like adults too that establishing a relationship when a person feels like um valued mm-hmm. in a class from their teacher and they they sense that relationship of you know I actually care about you I care about your growth I I want to help you that person ends up learning a lot better Sure oh yeah then the person then the teacher that's just like get this done this done and see you later like i'm never gonna see you again you know like more of a stern approach i just yep. yeah I, I agree and i think that's true with you know whether in college or school but also at church mm-hmm. but sunday school teachers children's church uh pastors yeah. you know wednesday night yeah and um you know I, again i i would love myself right now if i could find like an online bible college to go to to where it's more just less get me deeper into the word mm-hmm. i'd be glad to do it but if it's going to be in there like like my new testament class was teaching me the gospel of q and even at that young age even though i was i, I didn't have the knowledge and where i'm at today and I'm, I'm not saying i'm anywhere i'm just saying i hope i'm smarter today about the word than i was 18 years ago so um, <laughs> if i'm not i got a problem um but even then i knew it just wasn't right like in mm. the gospel of Q is basically a gospel they postulate existed during the early circulation of the church that the four gospels was written out of. So there's one gospel we don't have, but it was the right gospel and all the other gospels are written out of that one gospel. And I just I'm don't glad I was never taught that. And <laughs> I would have been like, what? Yeah. And so it's just that kind of stuff I don't yeah. like. And then of course the, you know, you get into that kind of stuff, then you get into the, the lost books of the Bible, supposedly, and how they should be in canon, but they're not. And Now, we did, you know, go into the Apocrypha and different things like that. Yeah. Like, a lot of professors would use it, but yeah. they wouldn't say that it needed to be in They use it as historical or just... Historical and, like, to complement. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Apocrypha is historical books. Like, the Apocrypha itself is accurate. Mm-hmm. In historical context, it's just not inspired. But we don't believe it canonized. It. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't do that. It's not authorized in the sense of it's not canonized. It's not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's historical books. So you have to read them in the proper context. Whereas, like the Gospel of Thomas, that's not even a. I mean, the Gospel itself that it says okay things, but there's a lot of other things in there. It's not contextually right with other scripture. So mm-hmm. you can't throw something in there. Yeah, and that's not even the Thomas of the apostolic age that's thomas two or three centuries after yeah and so those are the problem and that's what a lot of our seminaries are teaching kids and um so i just think we have to be cautious Mm -hmm. but we're gonna have to take a break get everybody rolling here and we'll be right back here after the break on mornings of box two radio on the box two radio network